Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Stephen Jr., and today is day 78 of our 100 Piece Challenge. Oh, I tell you what, I'm here first thing in the morning on a Thursday morning. The sun hasn't even gone up yet. I've risen. I'm my own son. I brought my own son. Today we pulled a whole lot of love. And I want to talk about, I want to talk about her obsession with Robert Plant before, you know, like in the early days. In 1991, 92, 93, she would perform this cover along, in 94 also, with... Thank you. Whole lot of love and to thank you. And it was always about how, like, he got her ticker going, and then she would always do the, like, little sound effect, and then, I don't know, it was very horny. It was all so horny. Do you remember when she was horny? And she would always talk about Robert Plant, and she would always sexify whole lot of love and offer a new perspective she would offer a new perspective on the song that most people didn't realize had like a sexual element maybe maybe people did realize it but it was taking that sort of masculine sexuality and feminizing that sexuality and like showing i don't know it was showing the female side or the feminine side of the sexuality so that was seemingly her crusade for years and years and years and years and she was obsessed with Robert Plant and she made it known. She made it known. So when I pulled Whole Lot of Love, I pulled it right after I published the episode for It's Giving Hoochie. And I was like, dang, this bag's horny again this week because it was Hoochie Woman. I give love into Whole Lot of Love. I give a whole lot of love, if you know what I mean. So I'm like, the bag wants us to talk about our slut years, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're not. That's one thing that's off limits. We're not talking about the whore years, but we will talk about someone I've never mentioned on the show, and I don't think I have anyway, and his name is Kevin, and he was my very first, well, my second boyfriend. I think my third. I don't actually remember. I think he was my third boyfriend, but he was the first boyfriend that I had like a major, 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 major crush on before we got together. And he was really, really hot. And he had shaved head, shaved on the sides, but like long mohawk, you know? And he would never wear the mohawk up. Sometimes he would, but I never saw that. He would always wear it down, so it was like over one of the shaved sides, you know? Just kind of like constantly in his face, we like push it back. And then he had like three or four or 12 earrings on each ear, giant holes, like giant gauges in the ears. It, he was a lot. He it was a complicated, beautiful disaster. And he had scarring on his arms because he would like put cigarette butts out on his arms. And he would cut his wrists and he would like cut to cut, you know. And I one time asked, you know, I remember asking, I like remember being very like I my style icon for love was Angela Chase from my so-called life. So I remember like at one point touching his scar like very meaningfully and asking him like, what does that mean? Like why? And he's like, well, when I, uh, when I cut my arm, then I can feel something physically that I feel emotionally or something like that. I don't remember what he said, but anyway, it was very, very deep. He was my Jordan Catalano, but like really a lot. And I always think about Kevin. He got me into many, many things. He got me into Diet Pepsi versus Diet Coke, and he had a very good explanation why. He said, if you're going to drink Coke or Pepsi, you need to drink Coke. But if you're going to drink Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi, you need to drink Diet Pepsi. So that was his reason. And I followed suit. So I became an avid Diet Pepsi fan. God, I remember the Diet Pepsi years. That's probably my greatest shame, if, I, if you ask me. <laughs> That's probably the thing I hide the most. But 
Kevin came to my life at a time I had graduated high school. It was my senior year, and I had the biggest crush on him. I had such a big, big, big crush on Kevin. And when I, we were all sort of in the same friend group. It wasn't like ever he and I friends, but when <laughs> anyway. I remember passing around my yearbook at the Dessert Company. It was this like cafe across the street from Las Cruces High School. It was called the Dessert Co. And we always would hang out there in like various configurations. And one particular evening, I recall, he was there as was a bunch of my other friends. So of course, I was like at the opposite end of the cafe, like just staring at him, probably like a maniac, probably like a weirdo, (laughs) just staring at him and was passing around my yearbook. And he at some point came up and he was like, hey, can I sign that? I'm like, sure. I was like, I would never, I never would have dared to ask on my own. But he said, hey, can I sign that? I said, yeah, sure. Of course. (laughs) Go ahead if you want to. And so then he signed my yearbook to a cool, cute dude. Oh, wait, you know what? I still have my yearbook. Hold on. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to read you the exact. Oh, God. Which yearbook is it? It's this one. I'm going to read you the exact inscription because I know exactly what page it's on. Here it is. You're a cool, cute guy. Catch me in a while and we'll get together and do something. Take it easy. Later. K. K. His name was K. Kevin. Anyway. Oh, my God. I'm going to get like (laughs) this is very a lot. He I really loved him. I loved him. Let me tell you. Okay, so he signed. What, let me read it again. Did you catch the impact of that? You're a cool, cute guy. What a player. He was totally hitting on me. Anyway, it was very exciting that he wrote that. And I lived on that signature for probably a good month. I showed you know, all my girlfriends. I showed everybody that signature. And I was in love with this boy. And he was a bad boy. He was just... He had, not, it wasn't just the aesthetic. It wasn't just the the mohawk or the piercings or the scarring. He was just, he smoked cigarettes. He hadn't, he, (laughs) he drank alcohol. He did whatever he wanted to do. He was troubled. He was very troubled. And he always, I don't know, he was very, um, I don't know why I was attracted to that, but I was very attracted to that. And so anyway, my friend Hank, his parents, well, backtrack, my friend Hank ran away from home and his parents were just too much, you know, with their curfews and their rules. So Hank ran away from home and Hank went through the city of Las Cruces, skipping houses, like skipping from house to house amongst his friends, myself included. And we would ha- we would hide Hank out for days or weeks at a time. And so Hank would come home with me from school, pop up into the window and like hang out in my room all night. And then whenever my mom would like be coming, Hank would like run to the closet. And this is how Hank operated for a good probably like two or three months. Just run, ran away from home. Oh my God, how horrifying now. Those, what those parents must have been going through. That means I've learned something. I'm getting to the reason why I'm talking about this in a minute. And it's a whole lot of love. So anyway, we would hide Hank out from friend to friend to friend and back again. Oh, I don't know where Hank is. I know we were, I, I heard from Hank today. Did you hear from Hank today? It was just like a code. And... I feel so sorry for Beth, the mother. <laughs> I feel so sorry. I apologize profusely, Beth, if you've made your way here. Um, I would never do that now. And in fact, as an educator and uh, I don't know, I feel so terrible. But anyway, we were kids. So we were hanging out. We were hiding out Hank. And then eventually Hank made up with his parents and everything was fine. But then, and probably several months passed, 
And then Hank's parents were going to Hawaii. Hank did not want to go to Hawaii, so Hank got to stay home at the tender age of 17 and for like a week, almost like maybe two weeks. And of course, the decree is no parties, of course. So anyway, to thank everyone for hiding him out all those months, Hank threw a party. Of course, he threw a party. But that party started on Friday and didn't end until Tuesday of the next week. And I recall like moments before the party started sitting with Hank, eating rice out of a bowl in his living room, waiting for people to get there. No one was coming. No, it was like the party was supposed to start like eight or nine and it was like 805 or 905 or something. It was like right after where the party was supposed to start. And Hank said, what if nobody comes? And I was like, people are going to come. I promise. Fucking everybody in town showed up. Everybody in town. That party did not stop for several days. In fact, the party went on so long, I showered there like multiple times during the party. It just was constantly going. I remember leaving school Monday. I had my own car and I remember leaving school Monday and coming back to Hank's house and the party was still going. Uh, Anyway, at that party, Kevin and I really connected at that party. Actually, we had connected we had already connected at another party. Long story short, but at that particular party, we took our relationship to the next level because uh, I was taking a shower at the party and he knocked on the door and said he had to use the bathroom. And like, I'm a cool person, right? I'm not going to let what I do impede what you do. Like, go ahead. If you need to use the bathroom, like, come on in then. And what do you think happened? Well, we took a shower together and (laughs) it was a whole lot of love. It was a whole lot of love. And... We would find our way together, Kevin and I, we would find our way together at these parties randomly. At these different parties, I recall one party that my friend Brian had, it was a hot tub party, and (laughs) me and Kevin didn't go in the hot tub. You know, we were too cool. We weren't about to like, I don't know, we had an image to protect. So anyway, we were making out the whole night. It was just a very meaningful experience. And I come back to Kevin a lot because I truly believe that Kevin, Kevin was very troubled and ultimately um, trigger warning, but Kevin took his own life and I found that out and it was really, really um, sobering, I guess, to me and devastating in a couple different ways. Um, I was friends at the time with his sister, Trisha, and I, um, I had friended her on Facebook and had like sat on that friendship on Facebook for like a year or more. And then finally worked up the courage one day, one lo- late 2007 evening, I worked up the courage to like say, oh, hey, how you doing? How's Kevin? Because I really wanted to know how Kevin was because I thought about Kevin a lot. And that's when she broke the news to me. And I felt awful for her. I felt awful for her family. And I felt awful for Kevin. The reason being, one of the reasons being, I mean, Kevin, I thought was such a beautiful person and such a complicated person. And I remember feeling that this person was very, 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 very special and that no one around him could see that except for me and that I felt it was my responsibility in that little relationship that we had. We had we dated for probably maybe two months, max two months. And then I got super jealous of this guy that he was talking to and that, and that killed the relationship. But that's the truth. But in that short, short period of time, he would come over to my house. We would make out all the time. He was really... Um, somebody that people didn't get or didn't understand, but loved, like loved having around because he was wild. 
but f- I felt like he understood me and I understood him for that brief moment in time. And I thought it was my responsibility. I felt it was my responsibility to sort of like see the good in him and show people that there was good in him because that's what a relationship is. I, if I can see the good in him, why wouldn't I want everybody to see the good in him and be upset when people don't? So I carried Kevin in my heart. I still do, but I, I carried him around for years and years and years because he was quote unquote the bad boy. I looked at him. Another interesting side note is that my best friend in high school at the time, Erica, who's still a very, very close friend of mine who was in Chicago, she dated Kevin in the first grade. They dated in the first grade. And I was always, I always thought that was so funny um, because he asked her out and she said yes. And then, you know, she was, and then she broke up with him because she wasn't, and she wasn't very nice to him. And the first grade, I'm like, that's so rude. But she always felt really bad about that. And the point I'm trying to make, or I guess what I'm thinking about when I, I pull a whole lot of love, when she sort of shows a different side to Robert Plant, this man that she had this obsessive crush on for years and years and years, and he eventually proposed to her, and she was like, no, you propose to 100 people a day, I know it doesn't mean much. The thing is about Kevin is that I carried Kevin around for so long as uh, what I was looking for, as this like person that I was trying to get back to, as this like this vibe or this feeling inside of me that I was trying to get back to where I could see someone and that person that was dangerous, that everybody thought was dangerous or complicated or scary in many ways because he did put cigarettes out on his arm and he was just, he was just wild. He was always like high and he was always drinking that that person could also see me. It really activated this like bad boy thing that I had going for several years that ultimately kicked my ass. Um, literally and metaphorically. So I carried Kevin around for a really long time and Kevin really shaped almost, I mean, if you think about it, if you like go to the root of things, Kevin really shaped the guys that I would go after or the guys that I was interested in or the the tenor of the relationships that I would have because I was always like looking for that person again who had made me feel dangerous but alive. But ultimately, Kevin was a sweetheart. Ultimately, Kevin was a sweetie and he, I don't know, he was, he was just a sweetie and I miss him. But what I learned in my life, what I've learned in my life, much like, I guess you can model Eric Ross. If you look at Tori's life, you can model Eric Ross after Robert Plant, right? Like she was always talking about the wolf, you know, the wolf man, whatever, whatever, but ultimately didn't settle with the wolf, settled with an audio wolf, you know, like an, like an nerdy guy. Settled with like a, someone who made her feel safe, probably. And I so, so get that. How that crush on Robert Plant can shape your entire life and activate that love that you have to give, that whole lot of love that you have to give. Because it's not just, it's not just sexual. It's like an entirely all-encompassing love. And there's probably about maybe four or five people in my entire life that I've been with in the romantic department that have ever had that entire buy-in from me, that 100% buy-in where I would do whatever they said in you know every way. And Kevin was the first, and the guy I'm with now is hopefully the last. So I don't know. I feel very... I feel very nostalgic today for love, and I feel very, um... Last night I was driving my friend Johnny, television's felony dodger. I was driving my friend Johnny home from my work where he teaches a a very popular sewing class in the spring and a very popular horror makeup class in the fall. But anyway, I was driving Johnny home from my job, and... (laughs) 
he said something about, oh, you should come to Precinct on Sunday because I'm bartending and it's it's a Barracuda or whatever the name of the party is and there's going to be a ton of bears there. I'm like, I'm not a bear. And then I got obsessed with what am I? And I in that whole car ride, I was harassing Johnny and I said, well, what am I? Because you wouldn't call me a cub. And Johnny said, no, you're not a cub. You're definitely not a cub. And I said, well, I'm not a bear. He said, you wish, bitch. I'm like, well, I'm not an otter. I'm clearly not a twink and I'm not a jock. So what the literal fuck am I? If you go into the gay community, you have to know where you fit. You have to know your tribe. So he looked at me very seriously and he said, well, I assume he looked at me. I was looking at the road. I could feel his eyes boring into me. Anyway, he looked at me and he said, you're a dad. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you're a dad. He didn't say daddy. He said dad. And he didn't sexualize it. He said, you're a dad. And I said, you know what? I'll take it. I can take it because I do care about people. And my friend Maggie was also in the car and she's like a dad. He's like, yeah, when I needed a hot water kettle, I like mentioned it one time and he bought it for me for Christmas. And he brought up the fact that earlier that day, I have this giant box of candy in my office. He'd been looking through the candy, screaming about wanting to find one goddamn Reese's peanut butter cup, but couldn't find one. And when he left the room, I had one on my desk, so I tossed it into the box because I don't eat chocolate. So I tossed it into the box and he came back. He's like, I was looking for a Reese's peanut butter cup and here it is right on top. What a dummy. I'm like, that's no accident. And he pointed that out. And I'm going to take it. I do take care of people and I do care about people more importantly. That's what a dad does. So I guess I've transitioned, but not like a trans dad. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You can be a trans dad if you want. I don't give a fuck. So anyway, processing a lot this morning. It's only six in the morning and I'm thinking about Kevin. Thinking about the whole lot of love I have to give, how much I love my boyfriend and how much I love all of you. And thank you for listening. And Today on your challenge, approach everything with love. You got a whole lot of love to give. And operating from any other position is ludicrous. (laughs) Operating from any other position other than radical love is ludicrous. So remember the people that you've loved in your life and, and they've all made you up. They made up exactly who you are today. And Kevin, may you rest in peace. I will always hold you inside. I'll always truly, I, I wish I could have told you the effect that you had on my life and what you meant to me. So I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamis.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.